Welcome, everybody. I'm Allison Polo of PureEnergyPDX.com, and you're listening to Integrate Yourself. I'm a metabolic nutrition and fitness coach, and I really help people integrate the foundation, actually, that I teach them in the beginning and help them integrate into the, that into their life to create a foundation of fitness and nutrition that works for them based on their value system and something that will be more sustainable over time and really give you the body that you really love, which leads to the life you love. So if you feel comfortable in your body, I find that always leads to feeling better about your life in general and going out and doing more things in your life, taking more chances, taking more risks, um, actually you know, having the energy to do a lot more and to take on a lot more in your life. And it, it just relates to a lot of things. It's not really about uh, shaming and blaming or uh, being down on yourself about how you look. It's about okay, how can I make this even better? How can I continue to feel better and better every day? Wake up and be excited about my day. Feel really good in my body, not feel bloated or heavy or dense or those kinds of things. Feel like life is light and easy and just go throughout the day that way. So I help people get to that point in their lives, but also really know what to do with their exercise and their nutrition. Like there's so much conflicting information out there and it gets really confusing when you talk about what you're doing with your nutrition, like where to start and based on your body type, based on your needs and your values and all of these things. And what I do is I help people figure that out. I help you come up with your own plan of action so that what you're doing is going to be right for you. It's not based off someone else's program and someone else's um, values or needs or wants and those kinds of things. It's going to be based on your life and the way you want to plan it and the goals that you want to accomplish. So that's what I help people with. And I have a new Building Your Food Foundation course that's up right now. And it also comes with coaching. So you can check that out on my website. I am having people apply to that because I just want to make sure that everybody is a good fit for this program. And um, but other than that, just, you know, we can have a 30 minute conversation and we can figure that out. And uh, there's, you know, in everybody is where they are in the process. So I'm excited to talk to you about where you are in the process and help you achieve those goals as well. One more thing I'm going to mention is I have these workshops coming up, uh, this handstand workshop that I've done a couple times and I've told you guys about and I'm offering it again in Portland, Oregon, April 20th. It's going to be at Evolution Healthcare and Fitness and I'm going to be doing this again with Seth, Dr. Seth Watterson and uh, he's a chiropractor and he has a lot of expertise in working with gymnasts and dancers um, and so do I of course because I'm a gymnast and I also specialize in the gym and working with dancers and ex-gymnasts and helping them unwind all of the things that have kind of you know over the years um, when you stop doing something like that's an intense sport like like gymnastics or dance um, you know your body uh starts responding different. It starts restricting because you're not moving the same way anymore. And so it has to now find a new norm. And so when that happens, any injuries or restrictions that you kind of had a propensity towards when you were doing that sport kind of exasperate 
when then you stop doing the sport. So what I do, and I, and this is, this goes for volleyball players, kind of all similar issues. A very similar thing happens after pregnancy too. So again, another uh, issue of loss of core connection after we um, have a baby or if we've had a C-section or any abdominal surgery for that matter is also something that can offset the neurological connection with finding the core, kind of that dynamic core stability and um, we're using the handstand as a tool. So it is a workshop for handstands, but really what's going on at this workshop is that we are using the handstand as a tool to demonstrate how you can build dynamic stability um, from an inverted position, which neurologically is very different for your body when you're upside down as opposed to standing up. So when you're standing up, you're using your feet as a sensory mechanism to, to know like, you know, where the ground is, what you're stepping on. But when you're upside down, it's totally different. And you really have to learn how to stabilize your body in a very different way. And neurologically, that translates to um, more more integrated strength, actually. And so that's what we're teaching in that course. And this is actually a great course for teachers and coaches as well who want to coach and teach the handstand and use that as a tool to help their clients become better um, at dynamic stability, too. I've used this with many of my clients this whole, um, this, this strategy and these steps and techniques. Um, and it has worked beautifully at helping people find their core stability. And some people are kind of like what I call have core amnesia, where they just can't feel where their core is in space. And so this is a great uh, way to learn and to get and become aware of that and to start feeling into your core to where now you know where your core is in space, you know how to brace when you're lifting heavy things, your back is not going to be going out. And so it's going to help with your spinal health, but it's also going to really help with your core strength and your shoulder stability. So that's where we're going with it. Um, There's so much more. It's such an interesting concept for me and I just love teaching this stuff. So if you want to sign up for that, it's going to be in Portland, Oregon, again, April 20th. It's going to be at Evolution Healthcare and Fitness. And you can go to my website at pureenergypdx.com and you can go to the events tab and it'll be there. The handstand workshop will be there and you can sign up there. So thanks so much, you guys. I hope to see you there. It's going to be so much fun. And if you don't make this one, we're going to have another one. So no worries. Okay, so on to the show. I am talking with Justine Cecile today, and she uh, is an amazing guest. She, we had such a great connection on this show, and we talked about, because I just felt like there were so many things that we were really on the same page as coaches, and, and we have a very similar understanding of uh, of our approach and, and how we help people, and it was really just so so nice to talk to Justine and, and we had such a such a great conversation about how to uh, balance your hormones but it's it also comes from a place of, of self-care so we're talking about the emotional and um, mental aspects of health in this way but also how that translates to the physical and how by not paying attention to some of these things uh, some of these habits Um, It can actually really create a lot of uh, distress in the body, digestive distress, and also uh, hormonal imbalances, which of course lead to low energy and a cascade of all kinds of other things, especially if you're going through menopause. So um, we talk about that today. She's an amazing woman and she has so much knowledge and so much 
experience and you'll hear today all about that and in, in her in her journey. So I'm so excited to to bring this show to you guys today. Justine Cecile. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm I'm here with Justine Cecile. It Cecile. Let's say it that way. <laughs> she is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, supporting professional women who are struggling with raging hormones, even if they are on hormone therapy. While working on herself with clients, Justine discovered that there are three areas in women's health that are largely ignored: hormonal health as a whole, gut health and how our mind works with our biology. Realizing that we are each responsible for our own health, Justine brings her personal experience, education, and resources together to guide and mentor women to regain control of their health and happiness. In addition to analyzing lab diagnostics and supporting corrective care with targeted supplement protocols, Justine has developed a systematic approach to coaching based on her philosophy that the reality of an individual's health and happiness is designed by them, not built by them alone, and five principles that support the individual's ability to know themselves and develop their own systems for achieving both health and happiness with a true sense of freedom. Uh, Justine spent the last 18 years mastering how to get in tune with the body, which I love, and um, she's, learn she's learning how to uncover what the subconscious wants to, uh, and desires and how to influence environments to improve our experience with life. And that's incredibly important. And that's much of what we're going to talk about today and how your physical health, kind of bridging the gap between the physical health and how, what your, what's going on mentally in the head on a day-to-day -day basis and how to manage that. As well, and how it actually also affects your chemistry, your biology. Um, and I just want to also quickly mention that um, what I thought was really interesting about Justine and what she's going to talk about a little bit more today is um, that prior to championing women's health, she served in the military and worked with refugees. Uh, and she was a university professor, a programmer, and managed software development, and now has branched out to support women who have put themselves last for most of them li their lives. And I, and I assume that's because she's gone, and what I've talked to Justine about is because she's gone through that on a personal level. So her personal experience uh, with chronic illness um, that is poorly understood and her strengths of being able to connect the dots um, to communicate complex issues with simplicity and sincerity connect with she connects with others this way and has helped many many people on their path and and she continues to be on that path as well and we're going to talk more about that today so thank you so much Justine for coming on I really appreciate it I'm so glad that we connected and I can't wait to hear more about your journey and to, to actually share it with everybody that's listening as well. Um, wow, I'm like <laughs> listening to you <laughs> introduce me and I'm going, oh my goodness, that's an awful lot of, you know, side detours and, and, and stuff. But thank you, Allison. I'm really glad to be here. Um, and uh, yes, women, definitely we put ourselves on the back burner very often. And as you can probably surmise, I was really in a man's world 
for most <laughs> of my life and being a mother and and also taking care of others and stuff throughout, you know, students as well as refugees, as well as soldiers. I was a senior NCO. So um, doing all of those things really puts your needs on the back burner. That, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I, I know that you and I talked a little bit before, Justine, and I, I really want, I'd love for you to share um, some of the aspects of our conversation, especially the one where you talked about how you began this journey, like maybe start with the military and you were a software engineer. So like, how did you become, how did you go from being a software engineer to helping women manage their hormones um, in all the ways that you're doing it, which I think are wonderful. And I can't wait to talk about that too. Yeah. So <laughs> I, when, when I speak to people and I tell them all the different types of jobs I have, they're just like kind of amazed. It's like, what have you not done? Um, but my, my growth really, if, if you, if you know it, it makes complete sense. But I started, I went into the military because I was on the path to become a veterinarian and I needed money. <laughs> I was accepted to go to school out of state and unfortunately I just couldn't afford the fees and uh, student loans thankfully were not as common back then and my parents were in a bracket where they couldn't help me but it was mostly in assets not cash so it was pretty hard to support me out of state. So I joined the military and I went in the veterinary corps which oh, wow. is probably the best kept secret in the military. Uh, we serve all branches of service and we're, we, our primary mission is actually food. So oh. here I was studying veterinary medicine and, but I didn't end up on the animal care side. I ended up on the food side huh. and that actually turned out to be really an incredible place for me to be. I got to do a lot of, a lot of different things. And when you're talking about refugees, what happened um, in the early 90s, I was stationed in Guantanamo. I was the senior NCOIC for the veterinary corps in Guantanamo. And during that time is when President Clinton came into office. When he came into office, um, Haitians decided they were coming to the United States because they have a really strong bond uh, Haiti and the Clintons. And so we just had a, a rush of Haitian refugees. And at that time, Castro said, well, they look a little busy. Anybody who wants to go, go bother them. So oh, wow. <laughs> we ended up having Cuban refugees as well. And so uh, my kids, along with kids and spouses of all sorts of people, became American refugees. Oh, so wow. Our, our families had to be evacuated and sent to the, back to the, you know, United States. And um, so it was during that time I got to work with field sanitation and work in the kitchens and stuff with, with both Cubans and Haitians. And I actually, somewhere there's film somewhere, I don't know where it is, but I actually helped put together a uh, Cuban, uh, like a shelter for Cuban pets because a lot of the Cubans brought their pets with them. They brought cats and oh. dogs and parrots. And um, I have a lot of experience with birds. And so, you know, we, we worked with the birds, but we had to return some of them because they were endangered species. But 
I worked with them quite extensively to get a work program and so in place so we could have that. So I did a lot of work with refugees at that point. But at the same time, my body started to kind of give me some problems. I started having, like I'd stand there talking to you one minute and the next minute I'd be on the floor on my knees. Hmm. Um, I was having severe cramping issues. I mean, just out of the blue, just everything in knots. And I did a lot of exploratory um, surgeries where they were trying to figure out what was going on and they ruled out endometriosis, they ruled out cancer, but eventually I went in and when I woke up, I had a full hysterectomy and my ovaries were gone. I um, went in for another exploratory on Valentine's Day and my poor husband had to make the decision while I was under I basically cut the blood supply off to my uterus. And and so it had to be removed. Um, And and that's okay. It all worked out all right. But that was really the beginning of me with fibromyalgia, but I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was really nice about living in Cuba was it was warm weather. I was extremely active and I ate very well. Hmm. Lots of fruit, vegetables, lots of fish. And so that kind of kept my body in pretty good shape. And and as a senior NCO, I've led PT. I I, I swam competitively uh, while I was there. So fibromyalgia didn't quite get me. (laughs) I just had these, you know, problems, but nobody knew what they were, what was going on. And then I moved to uh, Germany. And in Germany, it was cold. I was in the field all the time. I was in the field at least one week out of every month while I was there because I was training troops as they were going in to Bosnia. So, um, and I was the senior NCO for training and operations and I trained multi-unit scaled exercises, teaching them everything from convoys to reacting to um, I'm sorry, my brain's not thinking military, but basically (laughs) rapid response and and stuff like that. And so, um, and I drove around a lot, but I was also a single mom with two kids. And so it was really, really stressful. And I worked over a hundred miles away from where I lived unless Mm -hmm. I was in the field. So I was on the road, always kind of stressed. And all of that aggravated the fibromyalgia. So my body started to freeze up my arm, I couldn't straighten it out, couldn't walk very well. My left, whole left side was, you know, I use the word paralyzed because it's easy for me to explain it that way, but it's not true paralysis, right? But right. everything was so stiff and I couldn't mm. straighten it out and I couldn't walk right. And I had palsy. I had headaches. I couldn't sleep. Everything just started to break down. And they thought I had lupus. They thought I had MS. They thought I had this. They had that. But eventually, um, I left the military because I just really wasn't deployable anymore. Things were just way out of control uh, Mm -hmm. physically. And um, prior to that, you know, I'd gone to school to be a vet. And I, while I was in the military, I went to sociology school because I really... I I got a degree in sociology and a degree in international relations because I thought I would work with NGOs and work with refugees, but my body said something different. So when I left the military, I had to rethink what I was going to do. And the military sent me back to school and I became 
programmer, uh, computing, applied computing, uh, telecommunications, and multimedia and stuff. So then I started programming, and, and then that's where I got into the engineer side. But while I was in school, it, uh, they noticed that I was helping others. And so they recruited me to teach in the school that I was actually getting the degree in because I had my master's already, even though it was something else. So <laughs> I got pulled into the university and then I went into software. Um, but how did I get into women's health, right? right? This is like, yeah. what happened there? Well, you know, I had fibromyalgia and I had to do a lot of stuff to try and get myself, you know, to where I stayed functional. The VA wanted me to go into permanent disability. And I just, I don't know, that's just not me. I just, I couldn't stay in a chair for the rest of my life watching TV. And that's what I saw, you know, yeah. maybe that wouldn't have been the reality, but that's what I saw. And I, so I got pretty lucky. I got a, right when they were trying to put me on permanent disability, an opportunity came up. And if you'd asked me a year before, I would have said no, but because it would they coincided together somebody was they were trying to find somebody to run the study at C program and i just <laughs> said i don't know how i'm going to do it but i'm going to spend my summers on a 500 foot steel ship oh wow people how to do stuff and sail the pacific oh my goodness and i lied <laughs> to be honest well I feel like that's how we go into most things, not really knowing what we're doing, but we know that we, we can do it, right? We're going to do it right. somehow. We don't know exactly how at that moment, but we're going to yeah. figure it out as we go. So I passed my physical exam. I had to prove myself though. I really had to do a lot of stuff and I did, you know, fudge what was going on with me quite a bit, but I did get on it. And in order to get my body ready for it, I started doing things like Tai Chi and then belly oh, wow. dancing. And, and I had to really think <laughs> out awesome. of the box, right? Yeah. Get, it, get there. And um, let's jump forward. I I'm stay off disability. I get myself to where I'm off medication completely by 2013. So I left the military in 98. 2013, my chronic pain's gone, you know, all these things have gone because I just thunk out of the box. And I'd gone and went to health coaching school as well as part of that, that path to get myself to where I was functional and moving. Because it sounds like maybe what you were, you, you started to get inspired possibly because you saw things happening that were, you were actually healing, right? And then mm -hmm. it sounds like that's, you wanted to really look more into that and how it works possibly that's that's right. awesome yeah right. i and i'm just a i'm a, i'm one of those learners mm -hmm. right i i but i don't learn just school books i i've got too many degrees and certifications but <laughs> <laughs> i also learn by experimenting mm -hmm. and and but that's the science nerd in me you know yeah. so everything about me was a science experiment you know and 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 i just paid attention there's a lot of things i didn't realize what i was doing that i now teach other people in a much more clear you know systematic way yeah. but i was doing it by you know just out of desperation kind of thing right um and then uh but what 
really tilted it was I lost both my mothers at a pretty young age. They both died within six months of each other. And they both suffered with women's health issues. They both had these, they're, they're very different, but both of them had hormone problems. Both of them had uh, stress issues, long-term deep-seated trauma issues, you know, yeah. and just these things. And when my mother was in hospice and we were talking, it just seemed to me like, you know, we could do something better. Yeah. And so when I went back to work after she passed away, I just, as much as I liked it and all the people, I just, this wasn't what I was going to do anymore. And mm -hmm. so now I do what I do. <laughs> That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And you've come such a long way to get to where you are now. And really, I, I believe like personally going through things really gives you the experience to help others in their journey. So bravo on that. I mean, that's amazing. And I, and so I guess from here, I'd lo love to talk about some of the things we talked about, um, in which you already pointed out, but this is a big subject because this isn't talked about so much, but I experience it a lot in my practice and the, with mm -hmm. the people that I've worked with as well as personally, you know, suppressed desire, um, you know, Th things that are unexpressed or trauma that has not been moved through that we're just holding in our body. We're thinking we've dealt with it, but it's actually still there and it's creating pain and dysfunction in the body. Um, and people a lot of times don't realize this. Um, maybe we can get more into depth as far as like um, how that works, how you've helped people with that, how you saw that in your mother and it, it got you thinking, Hey, this is something that needs to be, you know, addressed in people. And, and it's a huge part of hormonal dysfunction, right? Absolutely. So, you know, <clears throat> hormones, there's, when we talk hormones, a lot of people just think of a few, like maybe they might think of progesterone and estrogens and testosterones. Sometimes they'll think about cortisol. Cortisol's become a bigger known right. uh, hormone but often it's, it'll be thyroid, the sex hormones, right. maybe insulin if you're, you've got some diabetes or sugar issues. But what we don't realize is that we have about 50 different hormones. And hormones and neurotransmitters, sometimes they're a neurotransmitter, sometimes they're a hormone, but they also work together. So um, neurotransmitters are messengers that run along the neural pathway, whereas hormones run through blood and, and tissue pathway. And But they're both messengers. And what happens is the brain speaks and wants a message message sends out and it sends it through one of these pathways right through hormones and also the our organs and tissues and stuff can talk to each other through these messengers as well and back to the brain so this is really a communication network that you know yeah. uh, when we think of neuro pathways you could think of it kind of as wires but you know <laughs> yeah. the the energy that goes through is going to be this, you know, these messages, right? So the voice signal or, or whatnot. And when we're talking about any kind of threat, it doesn't matter if it's real or perceived, physical, emotional, internal, or external. It really doesn't matter what the threat is. But if there's threat, that is stress. Mm -hmm. Because what it does is the brain recognizes a threat and it turns on the stress response system to respond to the threat. 
Now, so if you have a trauma or you have deep-seated stress that you haven't addressed in some sort, you're creating patterns. Mm -hmm. And that's what your brain is. It's a real pattern recognition system. This is how it determines, it, 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 this is how it recognizes things and it can predict. And right. if it can't recognize it, it's a threat automatically until it can until it can figure it out based on its previous patterns, right? right? And so when you have, you know, chronic stressors or some kind of trauma or something that hasn't been dealt with, now your brain has set up for these patterns because you have patterns of behavior and you're responding certain ways and it recognizes threat. And so that's just going to turn on the stress response. Now, what's important about this is the stress response system has some major hormones, right? We've got cortisols, adrenaline, uh, norepinephrines, and, and stuff like that. Cortisol's the big one because it's the one that's associated more with chronic stress. Um, when we turn this on all the time, it is priority. It's priority number one. Your brain is all about you surviving. Right. And so it doesn't care if you're striving and it doesn't care if you're thriving if you're not surviving. And, and so you, if your stress response system is on due to a threat and your brain, for whatever reason, thinks you're in danger, it's going to be focused on your survival. And so other systems are going to be downplayed. Sure. So one of the things about hormones, and we, we see this a lot with menopause, people put on weight and people who are under a lot of stress put on belly weight, right? Yes. So everybody talks about cortisol is the problem. <laughs> well, it is, but it's, it's bigger than that, right? It, it's more yeah. complicated. That's why it's integrated, right? We, we talk about integrated wellness and this is why I was attracted to you. It was because <laughs> of that. <laughs> but the thing about cortisol, when cortisol goes up, your, your thyroid is more associated with thriving and survive and, and striving, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so thyroid does, it gets diminished. And what happens is, is you produce actually less TSH to stimulate the thyroid. And then the thyroid, when it's stimulated, produces T4, which then produces T3 or reverse T3. So mm -hmm. free T3 or reverse T3. And T3, free T3, is the active form of thyroid. And reverse is the inactive. So think of it as the gas and the mm -hmm. brake, right? Oh, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. But when you have high cortisol levels, you're, you're stimulating your thyroid a little less, you're producing less T4, but the T4 that's there is being produced more into reverse T3, not T3. Mm -hmm. So now you have less thyroid stimulating your metabolism. So now your right. metabolism is going down. Now the cortisol, the belly function, that's more associated over there with the insulin. So you've got another mechanism going on. And when you're in a state of survival, your body says we need to store fat and we need to keep it for a late rainy day. Right. And when people are trying to lose weight and they're under stress, their body's going to burn blood sugar, then glycogen, which is stored energy in the liver. And then it has two sources to choose from amino acids from your protein, mm -hmm. your tish, muscle tissue, or fat storage. But fat storage is reserved for a rainy day. So if you're under extreme stress or you're dieting, right? Like you're really right. restricting your calories. Which is stressful. Yeah. 
yeah, your body's going, hey, wait a minute, we got to store this. So now people are losing muscle mass. Mm, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've got an excellent extreme example of this. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> My husband rode a boat from Monterey, California to Hawaii. Him and one other person. Oh, wow. One boat nothing but arm power, no sails, no engine. Oh my gosh. 56 days. And before he left, everybody's asking him how he was training. He said, Oh, I'm training by putting on weight. <laughs> right. Ah, yeah. So he was eating, he was eating all this stuff and he got kind of chubby mm -hmm. and he gets in the boat and he takes <laughs> off. And when he lands on the other side, he gets off, he's really shaky and he's lost a lot of weight. But what was really interesting was he still had a belly. He still oh, had wow. belly fat, but he lost his arm muscles. He even mm. lost leg muscles. And, you know, here he is, he's rowing a boat, right? You'd think yeah. he'd pump up the arm muscles, right? They were eating like 4,500 calories a day or you know, they were eating wow. a ridiculous amount of calories and yet he had no muscle mass and, and wow. still that was two years ago and he's still rebuilding it. That's incredible. Yeah. So people think, you know, restricting diets and stuff like that's going to pull it off but it, it's not it's we want to pay attention to that stress response yeah and, and i think you're with, right that's the most important factor really yeah and with hormones like when people are having a hard time with their menopause or perimenopause and they're taking hormones this is one of the root cause well it's always there actually because whatever root cause you have is going to cause stress in the body mm -hmm. so whether it came first or not you're always going to have a stress issue and if that stress response system's turned on the other areas are diminished they don't get the resources and space and and they're not turned on as much so that's going to cause you more problems right you're already yeah yeah so how do people avoid doing this because we're told you know to diet to calorie restrict if we want to lose weight especially belly fat what do mm -hmm. you help how do you help women especially as we're going through hormonal changes and those things don't work they may have worked a little bit when we we're younger but they really don't work anymore what what do you tell people well my focus is really on people being healthy and happy mm -hmm. and sometimes that means acceptance so, yeah. you know, in my own case, I have a very high set point for aerobic exercise because of the activity that I had. So yeah. for me to get below a certain weight, I have to be very highly engaged in aerobic activity. So before my mother's died, I was running long distance. I was riding my bike, swimming a couple of miles a few times a week. So yeah. really high active thing. I can't get below a certain weight. I'm always going to carry a little bit, you know, because mm -hmm. of this set point. Plus I have a really sensitive nervous system. So, yeah. so I have to really work within that range. So there's a little bit of acceptance that goes on in there, but that doesn't mean you have to accept the whole thing. Of course, we're going to address things like diet and exercise, mobility, stress relief. But when we're talking about a person's health and happiness, like in my case, and you mentioned this in the introduction, that I do diagnostic work. Mm -hmm. So I do a real in-depth interview process where we look at the whole life because I just mentioned I have a very high set point because of my earlier years, right? right. So 
we have to look at the whole life and how it's been handling. We're looking at patterns mm -hmm. over over time, um, and we're doing lab work. You know, very broad scale lab work. Um, I don't treat a lab test because right. it's always a moment in time. But what you do is you want to correlate the lab test and look for patterns and correlate mm -hmm. symptoms with what's going on in order to determine where those healing opportunities are, where the hidden dysfunction is. And then you can really target that, right? Yeah. Um, I love how you said that though. We, I don't treat the, the lab test because that's what many people do. And that's kind of what turned me off from diagnostics for a long time. Cause I'm like, well, you know, if you're, if you, if you're uh, if you have low blood sugar in that moment, it's going to be different than after you just ate something. So it's like, you know, you have to factor in those things. And I love how you're bringing in all aspects of this person's life and into the big picture of it all because that's why, that's the only way I think we can help people is looking at it like that. We can't we can't look at it in these small little increments of time. We have to see it as the big picture. What are you doing most of your life? What is your pattern? Even what is your body type? I've, that to me has come mm -hmm. to the forefront recently. I'm just thinking to myself, well, yeah, some things work for some people better because they have a certain body type and that's just the reality of it, right? Right, right, absolutely. That's, I am always, I'm, I'm a broader, bigger person I was built that way. Yeah. You know, even when I weighed 123 pounds, I looked like I weighed 140, you know, I, because right. I was yeah. a bigger, I don't have big bones though. So if you look at my fingers, they're very small, but I'm, I'm broad chested. I'm, I've got big arms, big thighs, my, not big thighs, big calves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like a swimmer body kind of, you know, like, yeah. 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 But I also, I, I, Rode rodeo for a while in college. Oh, wow. rodeo. Wow. And, and so you, <laughs> you, you throw hay, you, you, you know, oh. you get bulked up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but um, after we do the diagnostics and we get into addressing, you know, the whole essential things that we need to, um, I call it integrated essentials. So, <laughs> but awareness, uh, desires, wants, needs, things like that, diet, me metabolic uh, management, rest and energy management, um, exercise, active mobility, stress relief, internal and external, and self-care. And so when you say, hey, you're going to address all those things, how do you actually do that? Right? Yeah. So you could say, hey, we need to have your diet be, you know, less carbs, we need to include some more fat and and so forth to boost up your um, hormones. Right. But how do you actually do that? And how right. do you do it comfortably? And that's where we really want to work with how the brain works. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit more about that because I, 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 you know, I'm coming from, I think I also, we also talked a little bit about this. Like I'm coming from a personal training standpoint where, you know, I don't have the diagnostics. I don't want to diagnose anybody. I'm not a doctor. So, but I do go about it uh, and help people. Um, read their own physiological feedback to know how they're responding to what they're doing. Like right. you said, like their, their, their macronutrient ratios, are they having too much of something in there or not enough, you know, depending on what mm -hmm. they need as well as, yeah. um, you know, seeing how their body responds by warming the body more, uh, being able to heat the body and, uh, you know, having a good enough pulse to circulate the body. So, um, tell me how you do that for people. How do you find out or help them figure out w if what they're doing is working 
or not working? Well, the first thing is the person has to accept the fact that their reality of health and happiness is up to them, right? Mm, yes, that's the, important. They're the, the creator and the designer of it. Um, they don't have to do it alone. And it's really important that they realize that, that they don't put the world on their shoulders and think they go it alone. So they don't want to be the savior or the survivor. They want to step more into what I call the leadership role. And if we look at somebody's health as if we would, if we were building a house, this is mm. a pretty easy way to explain it. I like that. When you, when you build a house, before you can even begin, you have to analyze, right? You have to say, oh, I want to build a house first, right? And then you have to start analyzing things. You have to figure out, what do I want the house for? What's it going to do? This and that. And in the human, on the, and you're going to use tools like survey tools and stuff like that to check out, you know, the land and so forth. Mm -hmm. Well, as humans, we have tools too. They're called our senses. <laughs> yeah, so right. we have eyes and touch and smells and, and so forth. And what, it, what our senses do is they monitor our environments for our brain. What our eyes see, so if I see a glass of water and it's cloudy, my initial reaction, the pattern is going to say not good to drink, but maybe. So yeah. the next sense is going to be the smell, the see, and then the third yeah. sense will be taste to determine really if I can drink it. But if it's clear and all that, no smell, my pattern's going to say it's safe, right? So our senses are the tools that we use. Unfortunately, we just don't use them, not consciously, right? right. We, we don't really pay much attention to them. They tell our brain we've got a threat, but we don't know what the threat is. We just start reacting. You know, and then we get yeah. angry and grumpy and we don't even have a clue what's going on, right? So. Yeah. So mood, like you're saying, mood is a, a huge indicator, I think, especially for, well, really anybody but women, because we tend to, you know, over, we care for more people than we care for ourselves a lot of times. And then we get irritable uh -huh. and need space. But like you and I talked about, how do you, some people don't or can't recognize when they do need space and they go past the point where, you know, then they get, yeah. it, then they start losing parts of themselves and, and, their, and their health kind of goes downhill because they're continually, you know, putting themselves at, you know, not first, you know, they're just, they're, they're sacrificing parts of themselves yeah. for other people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what a, a lot of people don't understand is that what mood you're in is a recipe of, it's a cocktail of chemicals, mm. right? right? So different neurotransmitters and different things. And it's your subconscious telling you what's going on. And you, you just, mm -hmm. you, you, you just go, I'm angry. I don't know why I'm angry. I'm just mad. But something was trying to be something in the pattern was saying they're trying to take something away from me or they're preventing me from something I need, want, or need, want, desire. And so that creates a cocktail of anger. And so now we're angry. Now, sometimes things are going wrong. Like there could be some biological, you know, things that are going on, right, with hormones, things going up and down, mixed signals. It can cause these same emotions. So women going through menopause, have a tendency to be more irritable. The thing is, is that you want to understand what it is, really pay attention to your senses, and then you actually have some power over it. 
I actually get excited about ner- <laughs> that negative emotions because I'm like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, take you get to take a step back and say, oh, oh, wait, wait a minute, let's let's create some space around this and. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of my examples I love to talk to people is judgment because let's face it, we all are very judgmental. You know, we <laughs> might not say it, but we're all sure. very judgmental. And if I'm walking around the mall, say, and I start being judgmental about what people are wearing or how they look or something, mm-hmm. it's usually an indicator that I'm not feeling right about myself. Like maybe I'm not mm-hmm maybe I didn't get dressed up that day and I'm feeling a little self-conscious or maybe my hip is bothering me today and I'm walking Mm. a little bit funny because I've overdone it. And, and if that's the case, well then my judgment is basically telling me, okay, it's time to go home and rest now we've overdone it. Right. That's an interesting way to, that's the cool thing. Yeah, that's the yeah. cool thing about this stuff. Um, so I like to take people through that and teach them how to actually pay attention to their senses. But we still got to do some analyzing, right? You you got to get a little deeper in there. Like, what do you need in your house? Like, right. how many baths? bathrooms, bedrooms, and what do you want in your house? Do you want an open, you know, space or do you want more rooms? Um, And then desire, what are those things that, you know, hey, I want my bedroom window to open up overlooking the lake or something, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to know those things. With us, how do you do that? Right? How do you know what your needs are? Because this is where self-sabotage comes in. Right. These are Absolutely. these are all these weird things. You don't know why you're doing them. Yeah. You, know, you told yourself you wouldn't, but you do anyway. <laughs> well, it's because your subconscious knows what your needs are and what your desires are. The only thing we really speak about are our wants. I want this. I want that. But we don't really understand behind the want. Like the why, why you want what you want. Right. Yeah. Right. And then there's a lot of desire stuff that we hide from ourselves, and I'm not talking about, I was just, I just posted this on Facebook. I'm not talking about jumping on a plane, heading for the Mediterranean, hanging out on a yacht for months and leaving everybody behind. I'm not talking about that kind of desire. I'm talking about the kind of desires like, for me, losing weight, I said, takes a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of work to build up, you know, and do the high aerobics, right? Right. Well, I'm if I'm healthy and I don't really have a need to lose weight, I want to lose weight, but my desire is not to have to do all that work and take all that time, then I'm going to self-sabotage myself because my desire says, look, you don't really need it. Yeah, you want it, but you don't desire to do that. So we're not going to do it. Right. Uh, so yeah, that makes desires sense. Are so it really yeah. messes with your accountability somewhat is what you're saying, like your responsibility yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we analyze what we need, want, and desire? That's, that's so that's good. Kind that of you, the trick. That's amazing that you're bringing that up because that's where I am right now personally. I'm like, there is a big difference because um, you do get that messed up like, like that or mixed up, uh, the desire and, and like the accountability, right? Um, because mm-hmm. yeah, like I would really, I'm really like love to, you know, lay all, down all day and watch Netflix, you know, and just chill out. But then I don't get, you know, the things done that I need to get done or that, you know, what the, I'm not responsible 
for my body and my health today if I'm doing that as much. You know, it's okay to rest too. But again, like we're trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out what, where that is in our life, how we, how we balance those things and know when it is a good time to rest and, and do that. Or, you know, is that going to take you out of your accountability pattern if you do that one or two days in a row, right? And then you're just like, yeah. oh, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm good. You know, I, I, I don't desire that anymore or whatever. Um, yeah. It's not worth the work. So yeah, that, that's so, I love that you brought that up. That's such an important point. And I think we do get that mixed up quite a bit. Yeah. And the, and the problem with the accountability, if we can't stay accountable to ourselves, our self-esteem, mm. our ability to trust others, all kinds of things break down because we break promises to ourselves all the time. Yeah. And so the more we do that, the less we are able to trust, the less self-esteem, less confidence we have. So in order to build those things up, and, and quite honestly, when people want to lose weight or they want to be able to run a certain distance or lift a certain difference or get toned, what are they actually after? They're actually after recognition, a yeah. self-esteem, confidence, and all of those things. So yeah. if we don't address the ability to recognize what you actually need, want, and desire, and then try and find ways to accommodate those, right? It really right. accommodate those and figure out the difference and talk to our brains because our subconscious is working on one pattern and our conscious mind is working on a different pattern. And if they don't come together, we're never going to get there. I mean, we're just, it's yeah. conflict all the time and the subconscious wins. Yeah, because I can see it that. Doesn't take, it doesn't yeah. take nearly as much energy for it to take over. Your <laughs> conscious mind is that prefrontal cortex, and it takes a lot of energy for it to do it. And this is where people yeah. are trying to muscle through willpower and stuff. Right. But, but willpower is just, it works a lot like an emotion. If you don't have the willpower to do something, it's too fast, it's too slow, it's not the right thing, or it's fighting one of your subconscious needs yeah. or, or desires. And so it's telling you something because if yeah. you're really into it, there's no thing for willpower. It doesn't matter how tired you are. Yeah. Right? You'll stay bring, up all night doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's about passion, right? Because if you don't, there's, if there's a lot of resistance around it, obviously, you know, you can't, mm -hmm. you, you can you have all the willpower you want, but you're not going to be able to make it work. Right. Cause you're, you're, there's a lot of resistance around it and, and going deeper to figure out those things. And, just to see what that could be all about would be worth it. I think mm -hmm. it sounds like that's yeah. what helping people do. Yeah. Well, I help them with that, but you know, still, we're still in the analyze phase, right? right? You know, <laughs> when we're building a house, yeah. you can't stop, you know, if you don't, if you don't actually do something, nothing happens. So, but before you can do something, you still have to plan. And so you have to, you have to create a process of doable steps. So you can't just say, I'm going to build a house and this is it. You can't put all the plumbing in at once. You can't right. put in all the electrical at once. It comes in at stages at certain times. And so you actually have to have a process of doable steps. And sometimes those steps, like I had a client who wanted to get to the gym after work and the first step was just her taking off her work shoes and putting on tennis shoes. 
not going to the gym, not doing yeah. anything else, but just putting on a pair of tennis shoes. And yeah. just by putting on a pair of tennis shoes, she started taking the stairs more and started doing certain things more. Huh. But that was a doable step because she couldn't really fail at it. Yeah. And if it's something you can fail at, or if it's something that you're not going to stay accountable for, then it's not a doable step. And people get really into all or nothing even right. if they think it's a little step, it's just not the right step. And so you got to plan out a, a process of doable steps. You got to know how to measure it too. You can't move on to the step until you meet this requirement. Because if you go too fast, it's too fast and it falls apart. Yeah. You know, it's just like you can't put the walls up until the foundation is finished, right? And you so got to make sure it's finished. Yes. Then you have to have skilled action right? You got to actually put it into action. And skilled action means not just doing the steps, but really knowing why you're doing the steps, reminding yourself why, really evaluating each of the steps as you're doing them. If you're building a house and you're putting up drywall, you want to make sure the drywall is staying intact. It's not crumbling. It's not stuff because right. if it is, then you got to change it. That's skilled action. You got to always kind of be aware and pay attention. And as a leader, this is the reason why you want to be a leader. And the reason is, is because you're the one who can make the decisions. Mm -hmm. Your doctor can say, you need to take this. And you can say, okay, I'll experiment and see. But if it's not working for you, it doesn't work for you. That's right. it. You, you're the person who has to be in charge. So the final principle I work with them is that they stay centered. Mm -hmm. They stay the person in charge of their life, period. Oh, wow. Right? I love that. They can, they can take everybody's advice. They can listen to me. I even my own clients, I refuse to take the leadership position. I'm always, I'm the guide on the side. I have resources. Mm -hmm. I can introduce you to things. I can help you with stuff, but I'm like the second in command on the ship. You're still the captain, right? It, yeah. You have to be that person. And so even though I help people with accountability, I don't, they, they report to me just because it gives them a pattern. It gives them something that it helps them think about it, but they're really in charge. Yeah. You know, I might point something out, but I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, you're late. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. Right. They're, it's their life. Right. And, and, yeah. and when they learn how to be accountable to themselves and really take that leadership position, Position. Now they get their self-esteem, they get their confidence, and they have power. This is really, really important. Um, when you listen to doctors, you walk in the doctor's office and you have no idea you're in the survivor stage. Like, just tell me what to do and help me right. out. And and you just you, you it takes so much of your power away. You can't really heal mm -hmm. and you stay in a stress position because you can't predict. But the more you become this leader, the more you can predict, your brain feels much more comfortable, much more safe, yeah, less stress. That makes so much sense actually. And you know, I love how you're saying you're the guide and you're helping people become their own captain and find their power within that because ultimately it is them. And the thing that hit me is like, I've been thinking about this for a couple of years now, and I still try to keep continue to practice this is, you know, for a long time, I was, I was really, um, 
letting other people's opinions kind of drive what I was doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not necessarily, yeah. you know, taking it as criticism, but as like, maybe this is what I, or I guess too much of an influence on maybe my actions in life and not taking them right. as a consideration of just, Hey, that's just someone else's experience in life. That's yeah. probably not how you're experiencing it. That's okay. That's just their reflection and how they're yeah. experiencing life. And so, um, when I started thinking about life that way, it really took a huge burden off of me because I then found my own power in that. And I'm like, okay, well, actually yeah. I have my own opinions and I have my own ways of experiencing life and they might not have experienced that. And that's okay. And it doesn't mean I'm wrong, right? Just because I'm seeing yeah. it a different way. So um, yeah. it, it, I think it's really important to find your own values, to figure out your own values based on your own experiences and what you, you know, your desires, your wants in life and, and to shape that and to build that house too, because, um, you know, otherwise you're just, you're just, you're doing other things and programs that are based on other people's values. And, and so I, one thing I did notice yeah. that you, you've said in your bio and, and that I actually teach, that I actually teach my clients too, is how to create your, you know, how to, if you don't know what your values are, how to, discover those and, and, yeah. and bring those out into the open. And then now you're shaping your program and your plan. Like I call it their food foundation plan. And you're shaping that around your own value system instead yeah. of mine, which could be different. Right. So right. I'm helping you build right. that. So I think that is yeah. really a, the, like the best way to do it for people. Cause that's the way they're going to be able to connect with it the best and, and stick with it the longest too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things you're talking about how where you're listening to other people, if I had listened to my doctors, and I'm still with the same doctor I had in 2001, and I fired the first one, then I hired his best friend, which was funny. But, <laughs> but um, he and I didn't know anything about my condition, nothing. Yeah, there's very little about it back then out there. And there's still not a lot out there. It's mostly medical based right. care that's that's all they've got um but if I had listened to him I wouldn't be talking to you today absolutely so remember I said right. I stumbled on things out of desperation partly I probably was able to take that role because of my military career and having been in charge uh, quite a bit right yeah. I've I rose through the ranks very quickly. And part of the reason was, is because I volunteered for things, but also because I worked very well on my own. I could make decisions and stand by them. That was just something I could do. So um, thankfully I had that, right? That yeah. That's something I have that maybe my clients don't have, but I help them to see it. But here's here's the nugget that I want you and everybody to take away. When we were young, we were told, listen to your authority figures, right? Mm -hmm. And doctors in white coats are authority and teachers are authority and, and, you know, but the problem is, is nobody can be a, an authority on you except you. That's very true. Nobody can. And we, we don't, we're not even authorities on ourselves if we're not using our tools and paying attention and doing these things, right? We're just right. kind of going along and trying to fit in, but really there's no authority on you. So there's nobody to listen to, but you, I yeah. mean, again, nobody does it alone. They have resources or experience or education or something, you know, that you may need, you may need to borrow their tools. Right. Right. But you're it. You're <laughs> you, so you got to start listening to yourself. Really? That's yeah. it. 
there's no way around it. Uh, you've got to you've got to step into it. And it may feel or sound daunting. It may seem like a lot of work, but actually the more you do it, the easier it is. Yes. And it just gets easier and easier and healthier and happier you are. You know, period. I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, that is amazing. And and thank you for all the work that you're doing with women. I know you're helping them so much with this kind of work, Justine. Um, and again, I thank you for coming on the show. Um, if you could do me a favor and just leave our audience with a way to connect with you and to find you, um, maybe, you know, I know you have a website, but other ways that you, other social media outlets. Yeah. So if you just remember my name, Justine Cecile, so I'm at justinececile.com, Justine Cecile Coaching on Facebook, Justine Cecile Twitter, Justine Cecile Instagram. As long as you remember that Justine Cecile, you'll find me. Um, I would like to say, though, um, there is for anybody who's with menopause and stuff, and, and this is a little bit of a plug, but... Um, on February 4th, there's a series on the, meta, uh, on the menopause method, thank you, a whole bunch of different speakers. And I, I'm one of the speakers in that series. And so oh, cool. if they register, you know, if they get on my website or something, they'll, they'll find information on how okay. to register for it. So it's not just me, but there's like neuroscientists oh, and wow. all kinds of stuff. You know, there, I think there's 21 speakers in this series. So if they're interested in menopause, perimenopause, hormones, yeah. that would be a good place to go. That sounds uh, amazing. The menopause method is what it's called. Yeah. It's, is it a summit yeah. of, of some sort or? Um, it's a series of oh, okay. speakers. It's completely free. There's no, cool. you know, all right. It's just a completely free series of people. So even if you miss the first day or two, because I know it's coming up right away and, and, and so forth, there still will be plenty of content out there. And so if you're awesome. into learning some stuff, there's some really interesting people on the on, That's great. On this series. Well, thank you so much. Do you have any projects coming up or anything that you want to tell people about other than your coaching services? Well, I am writing a book, but I can't tell you when it'll come out. <laughs> well, that's exciting. <laughs> Life gets in the way with that. Yeah. But um, it, is, it, it, it is coming. I actually have a team to help me make sure that I'm sticking to my, you know, stuff and editing for me. Um, but I also have a, an anxiety class, a, a class that's about anger and anxiety and, and frustration and stuff. That'll be coming out probably the end of February, I think. So, okay, yeah. So that's, that's coming out. That's going to be a small class, and it's going to be very targeted, those those emotions. Is that online or is it in person? It's going to be both. So okay. it'll have stuff that's online, but I'm going to be teaching it because it's going to be a new course. So I'm definitely going to be front and center working with everybody, but it will be a group class. So okay. uh, it'll be cheap too, because it'll be my beta program, right? Awesome. It takes, right. <laughs> as a professor, it takes two to three semesters to iron a class out. So, you know, it yeah. takes a little while to, to, to get the rhythm and the timing and stuff. Mm -hmm. The content's one thing, but the rhythm and the timing and, and yeah. how to actually present it takes a little bit. So, um, but people, a lot of people have anxiety issues and, you know, irritability is definitely one of the top, <laughs> top uh, hormone 
<laughs> complaints. For sure, so, for sure. So if they're interested in learning, you know, a little mini, little mini course on how to handle those frustration as well, then, awesome. um, then just stick with me and I'll announce it out there for them. Great. Okay? Well, thank you, Justine. I'll put all the links on the podcast notes. So you okay. guys uh, definitely check out Justine's website and check out her anxiety class that's coming up and the menopause seminar as well. Very cool. Yeah. Lots of yeah. really awesome things for people that haven't really been available in the past. So thank you for putting all that stuff out there. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Allison. You're so welcome. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're integrated. Thank you. <laughs> you too. Um, like my favorite thing. Right. <laughs> 